Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., as always, joined by Matt Basinger of SwellSpark. We are in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's show is brought to you by M-Prize Bank, member FDIC, a bank whose mission is to empower you to thrive, here to help you reach your business goals, creating your next business success story. Not your typical financial institution, nor do they want to be. A bank who thinks a little differently. They, they call, call it the M-Prize way. way. <laughs> we have Chad Sneed. We have Andrew Brain. Thank you both for taking time out of your day to be here. We're filming in February. It's about the coldest day in the history of Kansas, but it is warm here in Let It Fly Studios. Yeah, because we're in Missouri. Because <laughs> we're in Missouri. That's right. Fair point. Kansas City. Hey, guys. Uh, let's just dive in. So the whole point of this is to get straight to it, talk about business. Um, for the unknowing, for folks who have not yet met you, what do you do? Predominantly, we're a value-add uh, real estate developer focusing on commercial office space. Uh, we do a little bit of retail, a little bit of multifamily, but predominantly, we're a value-add office developer. And so tell me, like, what when you say value-add office developer, like, what, how does that differentiate you from every other office? Like, what what's your unique, I suppose? Yeah, we, we don't buy A product and keep it A product. We buy C product and get it up to A minus B plus product. That's what we that's what we specialize in. Turnaround stuff, stuff that's not going well. I once got an A minus in college. It was a very exciting day. <laughs> Most mostly B's and C's and D's. Yeah, we we love we love okay. finding crap that can be polished and do a lot better. So, so uh, one of the big things that I'm always into in the development business that I think is the most fascinating and interesting is the finances of it. How do you guys really look at a property and then start looking at the numbers? What is that process like? What do you look for? What characteristics, whether it's it has to have a certain return metric or a bank is in support of it, or you have a specific set of funds that are designed for certain properties in certain areas, sort of walk us through the the idea of deciding that something works financially. Absolutely. Well, Matt, was your a minus in math or another subject? <laughs> no, it was in speech. Gym. Speech. Okay. speech. Gym so, class. So, so math is a big piece of that, right? Um, we try to simplify it to begin with, right? Um, come with um, very basic metrics. We look at what the income of the property is currently, what we believe it can be in the future with whatever modifications we do. Um, we also look at what financing is available. What's that interest rate look like? What's the uh, leverage rate look like that we can get? Um, we've got a a pretty good system that we can evaluate a deal quickly. And if it passes kind of our initial tests, we'll really turn it into a full model. And we're traditionally looking for something that returns a cash on cash of, you know, a, what I would call a double digit cash on cash. So 10 plus percent of the majority oh, of is stuff. Is that what double digit is? 10 plus? It's 10 plus. <laughs> but, but, it's triple but, digit. but less than 100. Yeah. But less than 100 <laughs> above 10. Typically, if it's 100, we don't want it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. If it's 100, it's too high. Exactly. If you find any of the 100s, let us know. We'll tell you no, but we might take them. Yeah, the interesting <laughs> thing is COVID's dealt a financing piece, an interesting wild card with office and how that's happened. So we've had to be kind of real sensitive to make sure banks and lenders have the appetite for the type of deals we're putting but, together. But, but hang on, let's talk about that because you sort of opened a can of worms. Sort of talk about what it was and sort of where it is now and just the real differences and nuances. Before it was real steady. You know, no one looked at office. People looked at retail with a lot of concern for viability, but office was office. It was multifamily. Stuff was, the stuff was flowing. People are coming back to the office in large, large numbers. You know, we're starting to see occupancy, leasing activity. I mean, we're so damn busy with leasing. It's crazy. keep up with it. So... The rest of the world, once COVID is in the rearview mirror and is back in the office, I think we'll look at office the same as we used to. Retail will never be the same. 
uh, for many ways. But and, and so how does that vision with what Office was as a whole in terms of a concept? Companies rent office space. Their employees are in offices. You say you're really busy on the office leasing side now. Sort of how has that dynamic shifted, changed? It's the exact same. They're just coming back. It's bigger companies taking smaller spaces and more of them. Bigger companies saying? are taking smaller spaces, but at the same time, we're moving back from an open office environment to a private office environment. So you're actually seeing footprints expand a little bit sometimes. So they're counterbalancing each other. The biggest trend is we're seeing lease terms shrink. You know, it used to be 10 years and then it was five. And now people are saying, you know, I really like three and I really like a one-year deal because I'm not really sure and I want more flexibility. So that's what we're seeing um, in the co-working space, uh, that short-term occupancy becoming a thing for our office building. So, And tell me more about that. So you guys obviously do some more traditional office space, but you do have your hand in co-working spaces here in Kansas City. Um, like, How do you look at those two different business plans? How, does that, how do you evaluate those separately? I mean, they're complementary. What we've been talking about is kind of all buildings rolling out 10 to 20% of our uh, GLA as co-working. That way we can have a short-term product offering for those you know, sectional folks and a traditional offering for those larger, more established companies that, you know, want a more dedicated space at home. They don't want to share as much. They're they're okay signing a decent lease. So they they live very harmoniously. They're yeah. not both. They're not opposites. And are you guys? Uh, sorry, to cut you off, Chad. As oh, well, you're about great. to dive in. But are you are you focused primarily on Kansas City? Like, is there a, a part of town that you love? Because I know you have some stuff downtown. You have some stuff in the suburbs outside of. It sounds like you're doing some work that are, that's outside of the Greater Kansas City Metro in general. Like, what is your sweet spots for growth right now? We like Kansas City specifically because we know it. It's in our backyard. We know a lot of the potential tenants. We know a lot of the potential involved parties that that allow us to add the most value to the assets. I think we would look outside of Kansas City. We haven't specifically done anything outside of an hour's drive from Kansas City mm-hmm. Central. Um, our focus Kansas City Central is uh, focused uh, right at Jay Rieger and Co. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, uh, slightly north of there, but yes, you know, <laughs> one hour away. block. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Johnson County Plaza Mission. That's where we've primarily hit ourselves out of the gate uh so you know continuing on development it's just such a crazy topic right now in the business world because no one really understands what coming out of covid is going to look like sort of going back to the finance piece because without the money development can't occur period you know what have been the changes in getting lending that actually occurs uh, are banks coming to you guys saying, hey, we know before we were willing to lend you 80% of the total value, but now we're not sure on the actual appraisals. So the appraisals were discounting and we're only going to give you 60% of the discounted amount. Or what are you seeing that's really been the changing dynamic of putting together financing packages for doing your developments? Andrew can opine on this, but I think what we've seen, and this goes back maybe to an original question about just financing in general, you know, multifamily was the most sexy place to be for the past over 10 years, and it still is very sexy. There's non-recourse debt available at, you know, hypothetically sub 3%, 10-year fixed, maybe even 30-year fixed if you do a HUD loan. So that market's still churning. You know, the, they that market loves multifamily long-term, um, and you can get a very aggressive loan. Then you get into office and retail. Retail, as everyone's known, the last five to 10 years hasn't been as sexy. You can still get loans done. Maybe it's more along the lines of a regional bank. Um, it may be a personal guarantee. Like an Emprise Bank? Exactly. I was looking at, over at Emprise Bank. And uh, office-wise, kind of the same concept. Um, it's never really had any negativity. I think there are a few players today that aren't there or aren't as aggressive on terms. Uh, but we're getting great deals done still. It, I think the metrics in general are being more scrutinized. Bank's going to look at it 
from a perspective of what's my worst case scenario here. If we're buying something at a crazy price per square foot, at a crazy cap rate, when crazy you say low crazy, return. you mean crazy low, crazy high. Crazy aggressive, correct. Sure. Yeah, we're overpaying inevitably. Yeah. If we're overpaying for something and the bank feels that, it's going to reflect in the terms that they provide us. So the banks yeah. aren't giving away free money anymore. Just, Sadly, you know, no. No. They should I, I do be. know a bank that used to give away free money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you buy it right, the, most banks are still willing to lend on the deal. And, and we've been out there. And we're kind of bargain hunters. We're looking for we look at 100 deals to find one that works. And on that case, lending's still been pretty free-flowing. Now, I got to take a step back here to, for just a second. Uh, you know, one, how do you guys know each other? Just curious about that. Like, how did y'all start working together? But I think even more so, like, how do you, how did you get into the commercial real estate development? Um, for I, I always like to joke, I'm like an accidental business person. And so uh, if I would listen to a podcast where we're talking about HUD loans and we're talking about um, gross leasable, like all these words and terms that uh, I think folks may not even know, like how there's not like a college course, right? Yeah, we Total can't disclose accident. it actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got into it. I, I was, I was, you know, after school, I went down to Miami. I ended up only interview I got was with a real estate developer that my dad had met at a convention. Worked for him for a couple of years. Moved back to town and was, I had the shopping center under contract, and I was like, I know what I'm going to do. Completely bombed raising money. I had no freaking clue what I was doing. Were you my wanting dad? to build an Amazon warehouse? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Nice little nice. Westlake hardware <laughs> store down in Raytown right off of Walmart. It was actually – we actually sold it for a 43 IRR a couple years later. Ended up being a great deal. But mm-hmm. Double digits. Uh, my, dad, uh, my dad said, Double you need digits. to meet this guy, Chad Sneed. And, and I walked into his office because he'd been raising money for a lot of deals. And he was wearing flip-flops. I love flip-flops, and instantly we became friends. <laughs> and ever since then, we've been working on deals together. Yeah, it's five degrees. We're not wearing flip-flops today. <laughs> I would be, but Andrew's my wife won't let me leave the house. My cutoff's 60 degrees, and Andrew's more like 32 to 35. <laughs> and so why why did he have to meet you, Chad? Why were so, you the guy that had to be met? So when I graduated Mizzou, I was very fortunate. I got a job with the right hand, an owner of, of Maxis Properties, Maxis mm-hmm. Realty Trust. I spent 10 years there doing all the acquisitions, dispositions, and finance our focus was primarily multifamily. Um, I helped spearhead the chicken and pickle concept that you guys see out there and a handful of other operating businesses. So just kind of built my experience. I got lucky that I got the opportunity originally there and, and continued to grow. And when I met Andrew and we started looking at some deals together, it, it seemed like there was some complementary skill sets, complementary knowledge, um, and we started working together. Didn't know we'd do more than one, frankly. I mean, even the company is was kind of an accident. I was working on some family stuff, and we were developing. He was at Maxis, and we thought we'll buy this deal, and we'll buy that deal, and and that deal, and and now we've got about a you know uh, half a million square feet uh, under management right now. So, so do been, you actually like each other and working together? We do. We wow. do. Well, we, I like him. I can't say for you. I, I go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. you know? no. Matt, Matt and I don't like each other. It's so true. It's, it's fine if you we can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the funny part. Andrew and I were probably more social friends before, and you don't see a lot of social that turn to business and then it be successful. But but it's actually been a great relationship. That's awesome. Um, you hit a little bit of go on just sort of retail, and those projects are the hardest these days. What happens to retail, in your guys' opinion? The right retail is – there is the right retail and the wrong retail. Traditional hard goods, big box stores, retail, like Summit Fair Shopping Center and Lee Summit, I would be scared to death to own that. Outdoor power centers like the Plaza, I still think there's a lot happening there. And neighborhood centers, like we got a deal in, in Lee Summit. We got a restaurant, a doctor's office, a laundromat, um, a physical therapist. You know, not a lot of hard goods retail that's hard to, you know, that's that's not an Amazon competitor. 
restaurants have been an industry mix with COVID, but still for the long part, I feel like restaurants with the millennials being in a shrinking footprint, wanting to eat less at home, I think restaurants are a growth area. So, so more experiential real estate. Real estate, you need to be there to experience. And that could be a laundromat, or that could be something like an axe throwing concept. Do, does that include like an AMC Theaters? To use a local company that's yeah. very do you so you think that that industry and that retail is the not the interesting thing with theaters broken? is what's gonna happen with the release calendar. Uh talking my dad is telling me that uh he thinks the studios are gonna cut the release calendar in half. If that really happens, theaters are in a hard spot. But at the end of the day, you know, people go to theaters not to watch a movie. They go to theaters to get out of the house, to have a date night, to have an experience. That's what going to the movies is about. And on the backside of COVID. Because we go through a pandemic about once every 100 years in human history, so it's going to happen again, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. People will get back into a regular cadence, and I expect people want to go out and experience and have a night out. See, talk, we, Andy and I talk a lot about experiential retail, right? Experiences in general. The Jay Rieger & Co. Distillery is an experience, right? Uh, Blade & Timber, we think, 100%. is an experience. Yep. What are some of the other things that you would uh, maybe tie into that? Like, oh, this place is an experience, or we see that this, this uh, retailer is doing something differently. Like, are there folks you're like, man, we really want to work with these folks? Or when you're doing these development centers, are people coming to you being like, I want to be a part of this? Like, what's that mixture look like? The most interesting new concept we've seen come up has been the Am uh, returns uh, business. Yeah, Amazon palletizing these returns and the, and the industry that's come alongside of people buying them and then parsing them up and selling them. We've got a retailer we're, we're talking with about our center on Lee Summit about that now. Really interesting industry. Um, how you upcycle these returns back into the uh, marketplace. So that, that's been one of the more interesting concepts I've seen lately. Not sexy, not fun. Axe throwing, awesome, fun, sexy distillery, awesome, fun, sexy. But there are some meat and potatoes type experiential real estate out there too. So those Amazon returns that we always send back, those get packaged and like resold as secondhand <clears throat> goods for a discount? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what you're buying on the pallet or are you buying the so pallet for... So the group that we're look, talking to, they buy by the pallet. They have no idea what happens. And then it's $1 or $5. They don't, for, they don't know what's on the pallet, you're saying. Yeah, it's all the same idea, product. Not they just don't know what's good and what's bad. Oh, it's, it's all so the same thing. I buy like 30 coffee makers from Amazon it. on a pallet. I put it out on the floor. It's $5 for one item on Thursday, two for five Friday, three for five Saturday. And so by the time Sunday rolls around, the inventory is totally turned. And yeah, I could buy six coffee makers for you know 30 bucks the first day. I sell one of them that works on eBay for $25, $30. I made my money back and the rest, you know, if I get two that don't work, you know, the rest I can make my money on. So it's really interesting. Hmm. There's a lot of folks that are in basically development that they're looking for very vanilla deals, right? Like the, the, we do this and this is the exact metrics. But you, just having known you before this conversation, you guys are a little bit non-traditional in the way that you look. Like you're more invested in the city. You get excited about the tenants that you have and you're really trying to cultivate, I think, a good tenant mix so that it's a thriving development. Um, like wh why? Because it, it, there's a, a lot of easier ways to do business than really caring about um, how this goes. Talk to me about that a little bit. Oh, I think it, it ties exactly into what you were just talking about from experiential. I think it's something we all personally love ourselves. We like seeing new business do well in the city that we were both born and raised and mm -hmm. will inevitably build families and live here long term. And so if we can improve any of the assets we have, that's always a plan of ours, no matter what the asset is, we're always going to improve it in some way, somehow. They may look different depending on where it is and what it is. If we can do that through new experiential type tenants, through new business concepts like the Amazon piece, we're going to try to find ways to make those things happen that 
Um, I think that's one unique piece Andrew and I have is when you inquire about any of our space through any of our marketing channels or, or any of the broker networks, we're right there getting those emails and we're going to respond to you. We can set a tour up same day. We could sign a lease the same day. It's not a lot of people that are doing that. We know the numbers. We know where, where you need to be and what we can do. And I think we're getting stuff done quicker, faster, yeah. better, and, and cooler, frankly. I think it, it also has to do with the landlord-tenant relationship is symbiotic. It's complementary. We exist to serve them because without them, they couldn't operate their business. But at the same time, you know, they served us by paying us rent. And so that complementary sure. relationship, it was interesting with COVID and we had a bunch of tenants say, oh, I got denied for PPP loans. or I, And we said, well, send us your paperwork. Let us help you out. Because we realized, one, we wanted them to stay in business because we sure. wanted to rent. But, two, we also want to see them succeed. And it's not oftentimes you see a lot of that in this industry. Sometimes it's, I want my rent, and that's it. But we yeah. actually helped six tenants get PPP loans wow. that otherwise weren't going to get them or we're going to fold. Right. So, so it, sort of this is sort of the last thing that I really want to get into on the business side is a hot topic nowadays are incentives. Yep. Uh, what is the ideal objective when you guys look at, when you look at a new project, incentives, not incentives, maybe we need incentives for this project. I mean, you talk about class C properties, turning them into B plus, A minus properties, typically where class C properties are ripe for incentives. What do you guys kind of look at as your package of saying, we have to have certain incentives, we don't have to have certain incentives. Obviously it helps you reach that double digit return that we're talking about, but you know, in the state of where things are, I guess as part of that secondary is where do you sort of see incentives going as well? Yeah. Uh, incentive reform is something that's definitely needed. They, they've run rampant within the city and we need to curtail that and back in a couple different areas. But at the same time, we need to encourage in development and incentives in some areas. We need to roll out the red carpet to make it easier in others. You know, I, I wish it was like a real cookie cutter thing. Ours is what does this deal work and, and what's fair? You know, we're working with a district, uh, a, a deal right now, actually in, in Raytown school district, we're actively negotiating with school districts saying, hey, here's our model. Here's what we need. Let's figure out a thing that balances and works for both. So really, it's making sure they have a seat at the table and there's equity in that discussion with those taxing jurisdictions. It's not – I wish it was simple cookie cutter, here's what you do, but unfortunately, you got to get into it and, and tear it apart and figure that out. The, the high level of that is we don't traditionally look at a deal with incentives as part of any of our metrics. If that's something that – helps the deal be viable or helps the deal transact or improve, then we absolutely look at all those different types of items. So you've got um, tax abatement as well as like a community improvement district or a TIF, and you, you hear those kind of terms talked about a lot. Certain municipalities and areas are great for those. Certain are, are against those. A majority of what we have, we don't touch any incentive. Um, obviously, there's a lot of communication about that right now with the mayor office, et cetera. Um, there's some balance in the mix there that's got to be achieved. I think, that's the I think the number one thing that can help that is just transparency and with taxing jurisdictions. So, yep. yeah. We got to wrap this up. So I do have one final question. You are our first duo on the Let Me Be Brief right. podcast, which we appreciate. <laughs> really? This is the dynamic duo. Except for us. And the <laughs> other dynamic duo. Um, so traditionally, I'll ask you, what's your favorite thing that you've done? Uh, but for you guys, you have a longstanding friendship in history. What's the coolest thing you guys have done together? Uh, he was a groomsman at my wedding. He cheated. That's no, a cheating answer. answer. That's that's answer. answer. No. Cheating answer. Well, I was a groomsman in his wedding. The coolest Boo. thing I've ever done. Right, 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 I'm right, just right. kidding. I'm just <laughs> uh, I, I'm, but honestly, I'm asking more like, have you guys ever done like skydiving or the Super Bowl? Or like, is that, has there been some experience that has just been like, wow. Dunked on was... LeBron James. Yes. Something. Done that, but not with Chad. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What have we done together? You know, I'm going to be together. Does, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm We've done a lot. Here. That's the thing. Like, yeah, but we, a lot we can't talk places. about on the show. Yeah, most of our stories <laughs> are. This is a PG rated show. <laughs> exactly. I, all right, we're running out of time. We're going to have to go with groomsmen. And that's just, you guys just will have collectively the lamest answer in the history of the podcast. <laughs> but I suppose that's to be expected. That was Andrew's it's... answer, not Chad's, though. I would just like to. I would have said the bachelor party, but again, there you go. Not hey, hey. Both bachelor parties. Yep. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, taking time. Uh, we wish you continued growth in 2021. I know real estate's going crazy and, and wish you the best of luck. So thanks for making time to hang out with us. Uh, thanks to Emprise Bank for making all of this happen. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you guys do here in Kansas City. Thanks for having Thank us. You.